Welcome back to Shattered. If you haven't listened to episode one, do that now. Three missing boys may be in extreme danger. A frantic search in the town of Morenci. We know their dad lied to police. This community is beginning to fear the worst. Still no sign tonight of Andrew, Alexander, and Tanner Skelton. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, Tanya, how are you? This is where we left off in episode one. I reached out to Tanya and finally got a hold of her. We've been going back and forth on social media for a while, so to actually hear her voice was exciting. I have so many questions to ask her and was really hoping that she was going to be open to being open. She was. Well, then this Joanne woman friends me. Mm-hmm. Well, what the, the police later found out, that it was actually John pretending to be a woman named Joanne Taylor. Remember her? Joanne Taylor? She was the woman that John claimed to have given the boys to. We'll learn more interesting information about Joanne and her role later. Tandy came across honest, unafraid, and unapologetic. If looks could kill, he would have died right there in the middle of the judge's court because he pulled right out that X number of years ago, I had gone to prison. There are a few things that you should know about before we get into this conversation. Tanya has two daughters from a prior relationship. They're much older than the boys. She also has a host of friends and family that are as loyal as anybody could ever hope for. She has a support system, which is great considering what she's gone through. She comes across as a sympathetic figure, but we must remember that Tanya is a person, a flawed person, just like the rest of us. And not to trivialize anything she's done, because one mistake in particular is pretty awful, but I don't want it to come across as me vilifying her in any way. I tell you this because you're gonna hear things about Tanya you probably didn't expect to hear, and they are shocking. But you need to know these things to understand the whole story. With that said, let's start before Black Friday, September of 2010, and learn what may have motivated John Skelton to do whatever it is he did. What was happening with uh, you and John um, prior to, I think it was in September, right, when you filed for divorce? Yes. The backstory, I guess you would call it, to the boys going missing, um, not a lot of people know because I've never really talked a lot about it um, because it's always the, the missing story has always been the forefront. You know, um, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, there's a backstory as to why I filed for divorce because up until um, September 13th, things were good. I mean, you had your fights, you had your, you know, typical husband and wife disagreements, that kind of thing. Um, he had like, that the 13th was a Monday, um, that the weekend before that he had, um, started talking to me about moving to Florida. Um, he could get a job down there, more pay. The boys would get to know his family. And he had just recently came home from a class reunion. Mm -hmm. Um, he had just had 
had gone on a trip by himself for that and um, reconnected with some friends, that kind of thing. So I was very adamant that I didn't want to move to Florida. And my biggest thing about not wanting to live in Florida is I can't stand the heat. Mm-hmm. So seriously. So, and then at that time, um, I still had a felony on my record. There were requirements that I would have to fulfill through the state in order to move. Before John and Tanya got married, she was charged with fourth degree sexual misconduct. This was back in 1998. She pleaded guilty to having sex with a 14 year old boy. Tanya would have been into her 30s at that point. John would use this information against Tanya early and often when being questioned by police and the court. In fact, this was his primary defense to everything that he did in regards to the disappearance. But Tanya never hid that information from John. He knew all about it before they got married. She doesn't seem to hide that information from anyone, including me. But you're going to hear more about that later and throughout the podcast. Let's get back to Tanya's story. He knew all about my past before we ever started dating. Um, So he left for work on Monday morning, or so he told me. Mm -hmm. said, you know, I should be back home around noon or so. And I said, um, you know, then we can make phone calls, discuss this whole Florida thing. So my daughter Courtney and I went, did what I needed to do, and I came home. I had a message on my answering machine um, on the house phone which was kind of weird. It was the school, and I thought that was kind of weird because they didn't call my cell phone. But the secretary said, um, I'm a little confused because you brought the boys into school this morning. You brought medicines to the office. She said, I'm, I'm really confused because John just came in and signed the boys out and said that you guys are going on a family vacation to Florida. And I'm like, whoa, what? So I get on the phone, I call him. Conversations with him are a little vague as to what all the the, the exact words and that type of thing. But you, you um, mean just typically they are, or just in the no, case? just like that day. I just I don't remember exactly what we said, but I'm like, you know, what are you doing? And he said, well, the boys and I are going on vacation. You said you didn't want to go with us, and I'm like wait a minute, you never said vacation. You said move to Florida. From there, Tanya's friend called over to Morency Police Station and got in contact with Chief Larry Weeks. He offered to mediate a discussion between John and Tanya. Chief Weeks talked with John, and as it turns out, John and the boys were still in the area. The reason for that was that John had set up a meeting with an attorney. Now, if you're just going on a family vacation, why are you having an appointment with an attorney? Sure. So that threw up red flags to Chief Weeks, to myself. John, he said, um, we're only going to be gone about three weeks. I'm going to take the boys down there. They've never been to the beach. I mean, just this whole great big long story as to why he wanted to go. Be gone three, four weeks, see if I can find a job. That'll give you time to do what you have to do. And I said, "Um, school just started. Why are you taking the boys? You could do all of this on your own. 
he goes, I'll put them in school down there. Well, then it's not a family vacation if you're putting them in school. I said, John, I used to work at the school. You can't just walk in with no paperwork. You have no social security numbers. You have no birth certificate. I mean, I'm I'm stalling for time because while we were waiting for him to get to the police station, I had got in contact with an attorney myself just to find out what I needed to do to keep him from leaving the state with my sons. He could go by himself. So I, the stall tactic that I was using was to, so I could have time to get information from my girls. They, my daughters, both then the the other one left work and came home and they took off and, and met with the attorney on my behalf. And um, the short of that meeting was the only way I could prevent him from leaving the state was to file for divorce and ask for emergency custody or, you know, custody of the children. Tanya was doing her best to keep John and the kids in Michigan. She eventually talked John into coming back to the house to grab the boys' documents. He was either at an aunt's house or driving around with the boys, according to Tanya. I said... I know where their birth certificates are. I'm pretty sure I know where they're at in a file. You know, I've got them in a file. Once John got to the house, Tanya kept up the charade of looking for birth certificates and other forms of identification. I found them within the first five minutes of getting home. Sure. But I continued to search every file cabinet, every desk drawer, every stack of papers that I could that, you know, was important papers, just stalling. Mm-hmm. And I got the phone call from my girls. We're on our way with the paperwork. Tanya's daughters were at the attorney's office waiting for the divorce papers to be drawn up. They were ready. And so was the officer that would serve John the paperwork. This would have made it illegal for John to leave the state with the boys. About that time, John's phone rang. Now, there are probably... 200 attorneys in Lenawee County. And the odds that he and I would call the same one, because this attorney is someone I had never dealt with before. Oh, wow. Yes, exactly. That's right. Both John and Tanya contacted the exact same attorney without any prior relationship with this guy. As Tanya said, this is about as long as a long shot can get. But because Tanya's daughters had met personally with the attorney and paid him, she retained his services before John could. He called John and he said, I can't meet with you at 4 o'clock because your wife just retained me as her attorney. He come flying out of his office, yelling at me. And that's how he ended up leaving Michigan with the two oldest boys because they were outside playing and Tanner had come in the house to talk to me. Tanner was behind me, as was my friend, and she scooped Tanner up because he's yelling, boys, get in the car, your mother's been lying, and, I mean, he was using all kinds of language. So he ordered the oldest two boys in the van, and they're both crying because they see their little brother crying. They hear me yelling, you need to stop and wait. You can't leave. The judge had already signed the papers, but he had not been served to them. He pulled out, he, uh, he didn't even pull out of the drive. He 
raced out of the driveway, about ran my sister over because she was coming up the street. He didn't even look. And in my sister, she's my little bulldog, I call her. She, mm-hmm. like, stood in the road and was yelling at him to not leave. And he, I mean, she had to jump out of the way. I, she probably should have let him hit her, but anyway. Um, he left less than a minute before my daughter's and the officer got there to serve him the papers. That's wow. how close it was. John escaped Michigan with the oldest boys, Alexander and Andrew. Drove all night, and he got to Florida. So then the next day, my birthday, he let the boys call me to wish me happy birthday. And they're telling me, um, you know, we've been swimming, and we this, and we're at, we're at Daddy's friend's house. And I'm like, oh, you're not staying with Grandma? No, we're staying at Hillary's house, and... And her daughter, she just takes us to the to the the pool here. And I knew who Hillary was because she's one of the friends he had talked about when he came home from his class reunion. So I found her address and information, got a hold of my attorney. Her lawyer gave Tanya the papers, which stated that she was granted exclusive custody of the boys. And then Tanya, her mother, and daughters drove to Jacksonville to bring Andrew and Alexander home. By Friday, we were meeting with a sheriff's deputy to proceed to this apartment complex, and the deputy removed the boys from John's custody and served him papers. So Tanny was now reunited with the boys, but she involved Jacksonville police and the local district court, so it wasn't as simple as just driving the kids home. A judge down in Jacksonville wanted to meet with John and Tanya. Monday morning... We woke, my mom and I woke very early and my mom's like, you know, I, I'm just, you know, we both had been praying on weekend and that type of thing. Just, we need to get an attorney. We cannot go in there blind. Something's just telling me. So we found an attorney, met with him within two hours. We met with him and sure enough, John shows up with an attorney. The first thing out of their mouths he pulled right out that X number of years ago, I had gone to prison. I was on the sex offender registry list. I, this, I, that, blah, blah, blah. And I thought I was going to end up in prison for life in Florida. Cause I wanted to kill him. I was like, wow. Well, of course I had disclosed all of that, everything to the attorney down there and, he responded right back with, you know, Mr. Skelton, you you knew this when you met her. You knew this when you got married. You knew this when you had children with her, and it never was an issue. Am I correct? So then the judge, she wanted to call and speak with um, Judge Noe. Judge Noe was the judge back in Linaway County who was familiar with the Skeltons and their situation. And the decision was made that we were to immediately leave Florida, that he and I had basically had joint custody of the boys in every state from Florida through Ohio. And once we crossed the state line, 
the boys had to be in the car with me and Michigan law took effect and I had rights and John could not see his children. Coming up after the break, Wednesday, November 24th, 2010, a day Tanya will never forget. After the whole mess in Florida, everyone would make it back to Michigan, and the boys were back at home with Mom. But John wasn't content. He wanted to know if he and Tanya could ever be the couple they once were. Tanya was pretty sure that she knew the answer to that question. But she also knew that counseling for the boys was a must, and that she and John, they needed their own sessions together. My pretense was, to him, we're going to work on this. We're going to see if there's anything to... If, if we can save our marriage, that type of thing. In my heart, I knew the marriage was over. There was no way I could ever trust him again, ever. Because this is worse than having a girlfriend. You messed with my children. With Tanya's senses already on guard, this next move was a curious one. In talking with my attorney, we decided, the two of us together, that In the eyes of the judge, it was going to look more favorable to me if I offered parenting time to John instead of keeping the exclusive rights and not letting him see his children. He already knew that I'm not afraid to follow you wherever you go. I will follow you. You will be held accountable. So I wasn't afraid that he was going to take off with them again. And he was under the belief that we were working on our marriage. Tanya rationalized that John wouldn't dare try something based on Tanya's tenacity, proximity, and the belief that she was willing to work towards getting back together as a couple. Things were going good. I, the boys and I had a place we were living. He was still in the family home. Um, Where were you living at that time? I was living, actually, my daughter, she and her husband had bought a house. They were trying to sell the house, but it was sitting empty. Okay. And so she allowed the... Yeah, it was in Marenzi. So she allowed me to to move in the house um, and live. The unfortunate part was that it was like two and a half blocks from John's house. Mm. And in the fall, there's no leaves on the tree and... If he stood in a certain area, he could see my backyard, that type of thing. So it was kind of rough because he could see comings and goings and that type of thing. But it's okay. It was a neighborhood the boys knew. Their friends were still around. And that was okay. So that went on about two months. October and the better part of November 2010 had now passed, and this arrangement was working fairly well. Tanya and John had worked out the boys' schedule for the holiday. They would start at Tanya's parents' house on Wednesday, and John would pick them up from there and keep them until Friday at 3 p.m. John wanted a little more time with the kids, but he created some friction the weekend before. He had taken it upon himself to tell my children, who are five, seven, and nine, that their mom had been to jail. Oh, boy. And prison. And he told them everything. And, of course, they get home, and they start asking me questions. 
and I'm livid. But I was very good at keeping the emotions inside, and I just explained to the the boys, you know, this isn't something that this happened long before I knew your dad. Um, it's not anything that's ever going to happen again. You don't have to worry about mom ever getting taken away. I mean, just the whole reassurance type thing. Got the boys to bed. And then I called him and I, I mean, it was, it was rough. Tanya would hand Andrew, Alexander and Tanner over to her parents, not knowing that she would never see them again. I hugged them, I kissed them, you know, the whole see in a little while mom routine. Wednesday, November 24th, 2010. John did pick the boys up from Tanya's parents' house. The details from that point on are sketchy at best. So I want to say it was on Thanksgiving Day. He called me and he was just. A thousand questions to me, are we, is there any way we're going to work this out? Are we, can we? And I said, John, I don't know. Because now there's two things you have done that has betrayed, broken trust, have hurt me beyond anything you will ever know. And I could hear the boys in the background playing. Because I said to him, I'm like, what are they doing? And he said, they are playing video games, and I could just hear them. They were having a blast. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember. It might have been Wednesday night. And that's the, the sad thing is I, I didn't remember this conversation until a while after the boys had gone missing. It just, that was, it just didn't pop into my mind for law enforcement. And I could, because of, I think, from the, trauma whatever i i can honestly not remember what night he and i had this argument oh i'm sure it's tough to remember i mean yeah a lot going on obviously yeah so then came the friday i had sent him a text message i believe it was and said, hey, you know, I know we agreed to the four o'clock or the three o'clock pickup time. Are you guys home? Are you around? Is there any way I could maybe get them like around noon? And he said, yeah, um, well, he said, I would love to, but he said, we're not home. And I'm like, you're not home. Now, remember, I t- shared with you that I he could see my house, which in turn, I could see his driveway. Mm-hmm. I'm looking out, and his van is sitting in the driveway. And I'm like, but your van is home. And he's like, no. He said our friends came and picked us up, and we went up there for Thanksgiving. I mean, he just fed me this whole believable story, mm-hmm. which was this Joanne Taylor. Taylor? Yeah, mm-hmm. Taylor. This Joanne Taylor family. That's where they were. And I said, oh, all right. He said, well, let me see. Maybe we can get home a little sooner. And I said, well, you know, if you could. And then he proceeds to say that, well, actually, he's not with the boys. They stayed there, and he came home. And, of course, all of this, it it took until after, and, you know, you replay everything in your mind. 
that it connects that there's a discrepancy there that, well, supposedly she picked him up, but then only the boys went when originally he said he went mm-hmm. too. And I mean, just a bunch of discrepancies that I put together after the fact. But at the time I was just, I had a hundred things that I was doing in addition to trying to get pinpoint him on when I could pick the boys up. So eventually after several texts and phone calls back and forth, I find out that the boys are in fact with Joanne and her family, that they hit it off and she's bringing them back to Marinci at three o'clock so that I can pick them up. And You'd never heard heard this name before. I had never, I don't know that I had, no, I had known this name because he had told me about this family that he had helped alongside the road when he was driving truck. Then there was a social media site. It's for moms only. It's called Cafe Mom. And I had... I don't know. I had belonged to it for over a year, I think. Well, then this Joanne woman friends me. And that was in the, like, between the September and November thing. Mm -hmm. Well, what the the police later found out, that it was actually John pretending to be a woman named Joanne Taylor. Or maybe, maybe her name was a different name. I can't even remember. But if it was Joanne, then this was months in the making. Exactly. I mean, he put a lot of thought into this whole scheme. Could this be true? Was John really setting the table for this months earlier? If he did use the name Joanne Taylor on a website and try to become friends with Tanya under the alias, it sure does seem that he was trying to create some kind of false truth. But what was his end game? Hmm. And there was no, there's nothing to indicate to you that he wanted out of the relationship. No, nothing. There's a lot more to this conversation with Tanya, including the day the boys went missing. Later on, Tanya will explain that John got to a point where he wanted to destroy everything that Tanya loved. And I mean everything. And to a certain extent, he did. She also told me how virtual reality games took him away from the real world. I'm guessing that you were expecting a broken woman during this interview. Someone sad and full of anguish, overflowing with heartache. I know I was. Tanya didn't sound like that. She sounded like someone who was whole, or as whole as someone can be. It was hard to finally say, it's okay to be happy. Your boys would want that. And so I guess I've come to where I am the happiest I can be without my sons being home. There's a lot more to Tanya's story, which we'll get into later, but there's a lot more to this story in general. The searches were related to, um, I believe one of them was, does rat poison kill or does rat poison kill children? And something also along the lines of 
can you break someone's neck with your hands? From the beginning of the case until now, no answers yet, but a lot more information and many more stones overturned. If you have any more information about this case, call Morency Police Department at 517-458-7104. If you'd like to see and hear more about the Skelton Boys and what's going on in Morency and how we're covering the ongoing search, go to ShatteredPodcast.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shattered Podcast.